This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. To support the Quest and being able to produce more local programming, please visit thequestatlanta.com and click the donate button. Thank you for your generosity. presents an encore presentation of Heaven's Light with Father Jim Blunt. Hello, friends. You're listening to Heaven's Light on your Atlanta Catholic radio station, AM 1160 The Quest. I'm Annie Porter, and I'm joined in studio by Steph Ike, Carol Tearsmith, Jack Tyson, and of course, on the phone with us, we have Father Jim Blunt from the Society of Our Lady of the Most Holy Trinity. And today, we're going to be talking about the revelations of God the Father to Mother Eugenia. But before that, we've got to finish up from last week when we were talking about forgiveness. And so we've got to conclude with that fourth step to forgiveness. But as you all know, we've got to start with prayer. So Father Blunt, would you lead us with an opening prayer? Sure. Thank you, Annie. Hello, team. Hello, Hello, Father. Hi, Father. Guys, let's begin this way. I'm just going to say the Lord have mercy. If you say this after me, because we're talking about mercy and forgiveness and about the mercy of the Father. So, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord Jesus, you are the God of mercy. You are the mercy of God the Father. We thank you for your supreme love and dying for us on the cross, and Lord, shedding all of your blood for me so that all my sins could be forgiven. We ask you, Father God, through your Son, Jesus Christ, in the power of the Holy Spirit, that we could forgive all those who have offended us. Give us the grace, Lord, to have mercy on others as you have had mercy on us. And then, Lord, give us the greatest mercy to be intimate with you and to enter the heart of your Father and there to live with him in joy in this life and forever. Give us this mercy too, O Lord. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. 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 Thank you, Father. Uh, We really appreciate it. Uh, Today, we're so excited about this uh, private revelation that you're going to talk to us with Mother Eugenia and how God the Father personally addressed her. But last week, we had such a powerful hour where you talked to us about the four steps to forgiveness. And you touched on the last step um, that that is praise to God. And um, what a beautiful thing it is that we all need in our lives to learn to forgive people readily so um i think you touched on again praise to the to the father but uh if you could really describe to us why this is such an important component of forgiveness thank you it's actually a very wise question that you're asking very precocious and that's because you know everything comes from god and everything's returning to god So if I've been hurt in my life, God hasn't done that, but he may have permitted it for some reason. And so just in summary, we have four steps. And the first step, of course, is is a decision. Let's say, for instance, my uncle hurt me, whatever it was. I forgive my uncle in the name of Jesus Christ. So all of faith and all of hope and all of love, all of salvation, begins with a decision. We don't feel our way into the kingdom. We decide our way. So life is about making wise and holy decisions. And one of the greatest of them all is to forgive those who've ever hurt me as Jesus forgave us on the cross, to forgive. And by the way, as Mary forgave us for crucifying her son in front of her, mm-hmm. she forgave us too. Mm-hmm. And so we, we decide, I forgive my uncle or my brother or my dad, uh, my spouse, now and forever. And the second step is to bless them. So this is very interesting. It's not enough just to make a decision. I also need to bless the one who hurt me. As the Bible says, return a blessing for a curse. In other words, don't leave anything undone. 
We as Catholic Christians, we don't want to do things halfway. When Jesus saved me, when the Father sent his Son, he didn't do things halfway. If you ever thought about this, God the Father could have sent an angel down to die for us. He has millions of angels. He could have sent down a holy angel. The angels like Michael are so filled with love, they would have done it gladly. They would have taken a body and died for you and me too. But the Father said, no, I have to send them the best that I have. And the best that I have is my only begotten son. I will send my best. Son, he said, will you go? He didn't force him. He asked him. That's why the Lord said, Jesus said once in the Bible, no man takes my life from me. I lay it down freely. And so the father asked the son, son, you're the best that I have. It will break my heart, but will you go? And the Lord said, yes, Father, yes, Father, I will go, because I love the people that you love. And so the Father gave us the best, his only Son. So when we can, we forgive, we want to give the best we have as well. Forgive the one who hurt you and bless them with the greatest blessing you can possibly conceive of. And that would be this, wish for the one who hurt you and I joy. I know that I've begun to really forgive my offender when I pray for joy. Because usually I forgive somebody in a stingy manner. Oh, Lord, forgive Uncle Bill, but let him remain miserable the rest of his life. No! That's that's kind of mean. So when you forgive someone, you know you're really beginning to forgive them when you want the one who hurt you to have joy. That's amazing. The devil is miserable, and he wants company. But God is joyful. And he wants company, too. So he wants a joyful company. That's how you know. And even more, the Lord says, wish for the one who hurt you joy in this life and eternal salvation in the next. And I'll tell you something that's even stupendous. The Lord shared this with me as I was writing down these steps of forgiveness many years ago. I said, Lord, okay, we pray for their joy, and we pray they enter heaven, maybe just barely enter heaven. The Lord told me, no. The Holy Spirit said to me, no, you wish for the one who hurt you, not only heaven eternally, but wish for your offender a higher place in heaven than you're going to have. Wow. Oh, my gosh. I said, no. (laughs) He said, yes. Wish for them a higher place in heaven than you will have yourself, Hmm. assuming that we get there. Well, He doesn't mean that he's actually going to do that. But what he means is my spirit must be willing to give to the one who hurt me a higher place. Let God decide who gets those places. Yes, he decides that. But others, my heart has to be willing to lift my offender to a higher place. And that's a sign of almost perfect forgiveness. Amen? Amen. That is a high blessing. So we forgive and we bless. And the third point is to thank to begin thanking God for the wound he allowed in my life. And the best way I have to explain this one to God's people is like in my own life, I was crushed when I was small, when I was little. Went through quite a tough time, a very difficult time, probably because my dad was a great man, and he was also a judge, so he was kind of severe. And he did not know how to really express his love and affirmation to his sons. And I think it really hurt some of us deeply, Not that he did it on purpose, but I realized later that God had to crush me that way. Because, you see, what I really am, without God, I'm a big fat sinner, is what I am. And without God, I know I mentioned this last week, I'd have been part of the mafia. I'm from an Italian family. I'd have been the head of the mafia for all of Georgia, (laughs) probably for the whole New England area. I'd be the chief mafioso. God saved me from all of that. And I know it's in the family. I, I heard it once even in one of my uncle's uh, kitchens when he's talking about hiring somebody to break the legs of somebody in the family who was actually a pretty nasty dude. And I said to my uncle, no, uncle, you can't do that. And of course, and he backed off. But I saw the mafia. I know that those things are real. God saved me. He saved me. He saved me. And the point to this is when God allows me to be hurt, he's dealing with something within my spirit. Without Jesus, guys, I would be in hell. That's the, that's the long and short of it. Without my Lord Jesus Christ and the loving mercy of his Father, 
without the grace of the Holy Spirit, and without Mary's intercession, I would be in hell forever. And God had to crush my ego when I was little. He had to. And believe me, dear listener, if you've been crushed in some way, you don't want to say, why me? If anything, do what the saint said and say, why not me? Say, why not me? There's evil things hiding within us. It's called original sin, and God has to help me to deal with it. And that's why his son said, unless the seed falls to the ground and dies, it shall not have life within. And so this is how God helps me to let the seed of my soul fall to the ground and die, so that the egotistical part, the sinful part, the selfish part of me can die, and something new and better, something real and godly can emerge. As one writer says, the better version of yourself, the godly version. So I thank you, Lord, for my wounds and my injuries. And I even thank my dad and whoever else may have hurt me, even by accident. I thank you because you gave me the wound that heals. You gave me the wound that saved my soul. And so I will love you for all eternity. Without that wound, I may not have ever made it to heaven. Amen? Amen. Amen. These are powerful things, I know. This is the saintly step, is the third step of thanking the one who hurt me and thanking God. But we need to realize that we need these wounds, that no one gets to heaven without trials. St. Peter, the first pope, wrote that in his letters and the Bible. There's no way to get to heaven without trials. But the trials are not arbitrary. They help me to become holy. They make me die to myself so I can begin living for God. And so that's why the fourth step is most important, is praise. That really, all of this that happens to you and I on this earthly journey, is not about the earth, it's about heaven. This earth was made for you, friends, but you were made for God. We are heaven-bound. This earth was made for us, but we were not made for the earth. We were made for heaven. And the things that happen in my life are directed by the God of mercy. And I praise them, and I'll tell you why in my own experience. Because God risked my disfavor. You see how, how arrogant that we can be? He risked my disfavor. God knew that I might be mad at him for 70 years straight, all my life. Angry, angry, angry at God. And yet the very thing I'm so angry about is what's saving my soul eternally. And God knew that I would hate him for 70 years and even maybe even curse at him and spit at him. And still he loved me enough to punish me in such a way or to allow me to be punished so that the seed could fall to the ground and die so that he would not lose me forever. So it's like punishing my teenage son. And maybe he's been naughty, naughty, naughty. Maybe I caught him smoking something he shouldn't be smoking. And I say, son, you're grounded for three months straight. And my son hates me for the first two months. I hate you, Dad. I hate you, Dad. I hate you, Dad. And Dad says, well, I still love you, son. Now get in your room. <laughs> and he punishes his son. <laughs> he has to punish us. And we're in the room. We can't use our cell phone. We can't use a computer. We're grounded. Good. Because by the end of it, I'll never touch another drug for the rest of my life. And my dad has just saved my life from drugs and violence. He had to risk my disfavor. If you catch my drift, he risked my disfavor. My daddy knew I might hate him. And he said, okay, then you hate me, and it's going to hurt me. But because I love you, I will endure it. Because I want you to be healthy and safe. And this is what the Father in Heaven has done to us and the wounds of our life. And so we praise him for his supreme and majestic wisdom. God, he knows what he is about, John Newman said, St. John Newman. God knows what he is about. He's in the business, so to speak, of saving my soul. And even at the risk of my hating him and blaspheming him, he still loved me enough to let me go through this so I could be saved and wake up from my naivety, from my ignorance, and finally begin to see, wait a minute, my dad and mom loved me when they did that, and God loved me even more. I could have gone to hell, and you allowed this to save me so you could have me forever. What have I done, Father? What have I done? 
You are truly merciful, and I love you, and I will praise you forever and ever, because you allowed me to be hurt so you wouldn't lose me. Forgive me for despising you. Forgive me, my Lord. Now I understand, and I humble myself before your majestic wisdom, and I say amen. Thank you. Praise you. Amen. Forever you have saved me, and I love you. Your plan is perfect. Amen. 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 Wow. Father. And that's that fourth step, praising God. That yeah. was the icing. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Father, that was very, very powerful. And thank you, because you've basically given us a guide uh, to forgiveness, which is basically going to help us all save our souls. So thank you so much for that. My joy. Thanks well, be to God. Well, Father, now we want to we'll shift gears to the topic uh, for this week, and it's uh, Mother Eugenia. Uh, she was a mother superior of a convent at a very early age, and she had a revelation, a private revelation uh, from God the Father, who personally uh, spoke to her. And it, it uh, it's recognized as authentic from the church, and I think it took over 10 years for uh, after rigorous examination for it to be approved. So what was notable to me really was that Mother Eugenia is uh, or was a very simple woman, and yet she accomplished some very amazing things. Would you share um, with us really some about Mother Eugenia? I think it it'll, it plays into this whole thing why God would pick her um, for this amazing revelation. Yes, I'm, I'm impressed. You know, with God's choices, He's so wise, and He knows who to choose for each gift. And by the way. To all of our listeners and to my beautiful team, he's chosen you too. He has a mission for each of us, a beautiful mission. And by the way, it gets better and better. The more that we're faithful, the mission expands and gets better. God has plan A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and H all the way to Z. And as I fulfill plan A, he brings out B, and B is better. Then he brings out C when I do B, and C is cooler. Then he brings out plan D, because it's divine. It's actually even better than that. And then E, if I do D well, he gives me plan E, which is extraordinary. He has a plan for us. And the more we're faithful, the plan gets better and better until your mission literally touches the whole world. And so his choices are magnificent. He chooses, it seems to me, the smallest ones, the ones who are, you might say, humble and poor. You see, the prideful man... He's not of much use to God. The prideful man or woman, the prideful person, more or less, they worship themselves. The prideful, there's even many Catholics who are prideful. This is a huge error, you see, because pride is the characteristic of the enemy. It should not be the characteristic of the sons and daughters of God. It's the characteristic of Satan. We don't want to be prideful in any way. But a prideful man basically worships himself. A prideful man or woman or a prideful teenager worships his own will. And that's how you tell a saint really from a sinner. A saint seeks to do God's will because he's so in love with God. You know, when you love someone, you want to do their will. When you really love someone, their wish is your command. It's true. Even in this life, if you love your wife or your husband, if you love your parishioners, their will is your command. You love to do what your beloved wants, you see? Those in love with God love to do His will. Those in love with themselves love to do their will. The Lord, in His penetrating vision, sees our souls at a glance. And He picked this beautiful little girl, Mother Eugenia. She was born somewhere in Italy, in the province of Bergamo, they say, to a very a poor family of peasant background. So if you've ever been to Italy, I've been there quite a few times, and you see the little villages, not just in Italy, but also in Spain and other of the European uh, countries and cities, these little villages are quite poor. They did not have even paved streets. Are you kidding me? There were no streets. There were no cars. You might have a bicycle, but probably not because the roads are, are, have jagged rocks in them. These are poor little towns with no running water, no electricity. So you can imagine the humility and the poverty that she was raised up in there in Bergamo. Um, her city was called San Gervasio de Ada. 
It's now called Capriato San Gervasio. It was a little town in Bergamo, very, very poor, and they didn't have any high schools or colleges. So all she had was elementary school education, like maybe grades one through six or one through seven. That's about it. After that, you know what she did? She went to a factory. She worked in a factory. What's that? Well, that's the work for poor people. I've worked in factories. She worked in a factory. And it's amazing how the Lord looked at all the young women there, and he saw her heart. You see, in her work, she wasn't bitter. She didn't work in the the factory saying, oh, woe is me. Why do I have to work in this filthy factory? No. She would say, God, thank you for this factory. Thank you for giving me work to do so I can support my mom and dad and my family. The attitudes are completely different, you see. So the Lord looks at my heart and he looks at my attitude. Am I prideful, always rejecting the will of God in my life in the circumstances? Or am I humble and always grateful for what God has brought into my life? He saw in her humility and gratitude, and he called her from the factory to the convent. And she entered an order called the Congregation of Our Lady of the Apostles. That's very prophetic, very prophetic. So he called this holy, humble young woman at the age of 20 to Our Lady of the Apostles' Congregation of Holy Nuns. And by the age of 25, this humble uneducated but glorious young woman, became the mother general of the worldwide congregation at the age of 25. That's unheard of. Even back then, it was unheard of. What is this? This is something extraordinary, is what it is, you see? And our Lord used her in such a mighty way that it is said that after 12 years of missionary activity as the mother general, She actually succeeded, with the help of the Holy Spirit, in in these 12 years of opening 70 centers across the world. In Africa, Asia, and Europe as well, she opened 70 centers that included a church, a school, and an infirmary in a time where there were no hospitals in many places. 70 such centers in 12 years as a very young woman. She even was, was so intelligent without education that she discovered the first medicine for the cure of leprosy. Is that amazing? Yes. That's a scientific historical fact. She found the first medicine for the cure of leprosy. She extracted it, I'm sure, guided by the Holy Spirit. You see, he's the spirit of wisdom, understanding, knowledge, and counsel. And the best scientists are guided by the Holy Spirit, like Dr. Michael Behe and our age. They're guided by the Holy Spirit. She found a cure. That's why you don't see leprosy too much anywhere today. She helped to find that cure. And she even started a place called the Leper's City in the Ivory Coast of Africa, covering 200,000 square miles. She created a city for leprosy sufferers at a time when they were really, you know, scorned. and People were afraid of them. So this is quite an amazing young woman, had leadership qualities and also qualities of intellect, and then qualities of virtue. And so I would say to all the listeners, especially the young ones, take heart. All God needs is your heart. He doesn't need a lot of giftedness from you. As, you know, the saying goes, uh, God doesn't sort of equip, you might say, you for the mission, or or rather, he doesn't choose you for your missions based on your gifts. Rather, he equips you with the gifts that you need for your mission. He'll give you what you need for the mission. What he needs is your heart. He looks for a pure and humble and grateful heart in every teenager. Everyone who's listening now, he looks at your heart. If your heart is humble and grateful and willing, he's going to raise you up. He's going to use you for stunning things in the future. And that's all he needs. Give him your heart with humility and gratitude. Pray to him every day. He will raise you up and use you for great, great, great things. 
And they say that the greatest gift God gave to Mother Eugenia, and you see how the plan for her, she went from plan A to plan B to plan C to plan D to plan E, now to plan F, the Father, the revelation of the Father. He appeared to her, you might say, physically. The Father himself came down from heaven and appeared there to Sister Eugenia in her convent and began speaking to her. Now, this is something beautiful and extraordinary. We should not be that surprised. That's called, a, you might say, a theophany, the theological word that we use. The Father has given us theophanies throughout the Old Testament. And the most famous one, of course, was with Abraham, the father of our faith, in the desert. With Sarah, in their tent. When they're visited by three strangers. Now listen. When you're in the middle of the desert, there aren't any strangers walking down the street. There are no streets. There is no one there. There are no houses. You have a tent that you pick up and put on the camel, and you move to the next place where you get water. And so here's three men coming out of nowhere. What is that? Well, Abraham seemed to know because you know what he did. It's in every Catholic Bible. He knelt to the ground in front of them and said, Please, my Lord, do not leave, but stay with me. He bowed to the ground in front of these three visitors. That should sound familiar. A trinity of visitors whom Abraham bowed to the ground and worshipped. Who was that who visited Abraham, the father of our faith? Three holy men. And they were obviously holy because they made a prophecy, an impossible prophecy, to Abraham concerning his aged wife, Sarah. And they told Abraham and Sarah that she would have a child this time next year. And Sarah, when she heard from the tent, she started laughing. And when she came out, God told her, these three visitors said, Sarah, why were you laughing? She says, I wasn't laughing. Now, see, she fibbed a little bit there. She did a little fib. And God still loved her. He didn't say, well, no baby for you because you fibbed. No, God is merciful. He could have said that, but he didn't. He says, you did laugh, he said. But I'm going to give you a baby. And his name, what was the name of their baby? Their baby's name was Isaac. Isaac. And what does Isaac mean? Isaac means laughter. (laughs) That's what it actually means. God gave Sarah, who's well beyond the years of childbearing, if they say maybe 80 years old, gave her a baby. (laughs) His name was Isaac. He took her naughtiness and turned it into glory. I love it. Because this baby would bring her laughter and bring Abraham laughter. This baby, Isaac, would bring them joy. You see? Mm -hmm. And that's what we call Jesus, the new Isaac. He's called the new Isaac because he brings me a new joy from heaven. So the name of Isaac is holy, chosen by God. And what was was happening there in the desert with three holy strangers who prophesy correctly and give a sterile woman a holy baby? This was God, you see? And the fathers of the Church are unanimous. There's a few who think there were three angels, but when you read the fathers of the Church, they seem to think that was God, the Holy Trinity. Mm-hmm. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit who visited that day. That's mm-hmm. the consensus of most of the fathers. Well, all that to say is God can do whatever He wills. He can never sin. That's the only thing He can't do. It's impossible for God to sin. But God can appear and has appeared through the centuries. Even before Jesus took flesh, God has appeared. So he did it again after Jesus took flesh. The Father appeared to Sister Eugenia to confirm the message, not only to Abraham, but to confirm the message of Jesus himself to Sister Eugenia, that he is a father of love and a father of mercy. And he comes to bring a new joy to the world, a new joy. And so this idea that the Father appeared to Eugenia is something altogether scriptural. 
is altogether possible. There's nothing God can't do. And it doesn't in any way interfere with the incarnation of Jesus. All it does is magnify the incarnation of Jesus. My son became flesh, truly flesh. He disappeared, you might say, in a physical form. We're not saying he's incarnate, but the Father appeared in a physical form, which the Holy Spirit can do too. The angels can do it as well. They can appear in a physical manner. And so we thank God that he adopted a form that for us was understandable. He says, you need to see me, I know. So I'm going to appear to you as a loving father. I'm going to appear to you as my Jesus sees me every day. All right, y'all, we've got to take a quick break, but we'll be back with more from Heaven's Light with Father Jim Blunt. Stay tuned. In today's world, cybersecurity is critical for your business. Award-winning Versprite provides solutions to protect your company from hackers. For protection now, see Versprite.com. That's V-E-R-Sprite.com. The Quest thanks Versprite for their support. So, you love listening to The Quest, but can't always listen live? No worries. Now with the Quest Atlanta app, you never have to miss out. Listen on demand, submit prayer requests, catch up on the latest headlines, and so much more. Available on the App Store and Google Play today. The Quest presents Pro-Life Minutes. Did you know science has already proven that at fertilization, a sperm and egg unite to form a unique human being with DNA separate from that of the mother? Yet, the argument today is not whether that new life is a human being inside the mother's womb. The argument is one of choice. We are told that a mother's right to choose to kill her unborn daughter trumps the daughter's right to choose to not be killed by her mother. What happened to women's rights? Only some women have rights, not all women. Many young women are never given the right to choose if they want to live or die. It's time to take a stand for life. All human life matters. So let's show the world that every life matters by speaking up for life at every opportunity. For more homegrown wisdom, visit thequestatlanta.com. Please join us in a prayer to St. Michael the Archangel. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Welcome back, friends, and you've been listening to Heaven's Light on your Atlanta Catholic radio station, AM 1160, The Quest. I'm Annie Porter, and I'm joined in studio by Steph Ike, Carol Tearsmith, Jack Tyson, and on the phone, we have Father Jim Blunt with us. And this half of the hour, we're going to talk a little more about the revelations of God the Father to Mother Eugenia. So, Jack, why don't you take us away here? I'll, uh, happy to. I'll, I'll kick it off. Hi, Father. How are you? Hi, brother. Good to hear you. You know, that, that was such an awesome story about, uh, about Abraham. And, and, you know, it sort of brings to life how, how intimate or up close God can be in our lives. But for, for far too long, I think we and a lot of people have thought of him as something distant, you know, maybe sort of judgmental, you know, the, a creator from the, the beginning, of course. But we think of him, you know, that he's willing to you know, bring a, a, a great flood and, and perhaps we should be fearful of him, you know, be, you know, be fearful of God rather than loving God. And, you know, even every day, all you've got to do is, is hear a thunderclap near your house. And, you know, it's, it's easy to realize his power, but, but fear isn't what he wants, is it? He, he wants something else for us. That's correct, Jack. The sacred scripture, if you read it carefully, it says this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's not the end of wisdom. It's the beginning of wisdom. Because my wisdom in the ways of life begins with fear, uh, because we tend to be, as we discussed earlier, a bit prideful. We're born kind of like self-sufficient. We want to sort of rule things on our own with no fear of God. And so, if there's an intervention in my life, whether through a human agency or through nature, or even through a supernatural agency, where a lightning bolt, so to speak, crosses across my line of vision, 
and scares the Jehudis out of me, that might scare the pride out of me as well. It might scare the sin out of me. The Lord's purpose is not to kill me. Of course not. I didn't die. It was not to kill me. It's to shake me up. To shake me up from what? From my self-sufficiency, from my selfishness, from my, you might say, ego worship. We're too content and satisfied, you see? And so the Lord has to shake this up because that's all blindness. So many Christians go through life blind, not knowing that God is absolutely real. He's not a fantasy. He's not a poem. He's not an analogy. God is not a concept either. God is a reality, a real person. And so it takes, like you might say, a little bit of drama to shake us out of our self-sufficiency and our self-love. And so the fear of the Lord is the beginning of the path of wisdom. What is the end? The end is absolute, all-consuming, joy-inspiring, blissful heaven forever. That's the end of wisdom. The beginning, yes, is fear of the Lord. The end is incredible, life-giving joy in union with the God of perfection and love. It may begin with fear, but it ends with love and joy. And so, no, fear is not the goal. Fear is just the beginning. Fear is a tool of God. And in fact, when our glorious Father appeared to Sister Eugenia, and, of course, a revelation that has several imprimators, several, approved by the bishops of the Church, the first words that the Father says to Eugenia about his purpose, he says to Sister Eugenia, he, now he, remember, he's appearing to her, like, so to speak, physically, in the convent, sitting in a chair next to her. And Father says this, our Papa says this, the real purpose of my coming, he says, first, I am coming to banish the excessive fear that my creatures have of me, excessive, and to show them that my joy lies not in being feared, in being known and loved by my children, that is, by all mankind, present and future. I've come to banish the excessive fear, we call that servile fear, to banish that, because my joy lies not in being feared, my joy lies in being known and loved by my beautiful children, by all of mankind. So, Jack, you hit, you hit the target on a bullseye. That's the first reason why the Father came, is to banish my fear. We're not to live in fear of the Father. No, not presumption either. Of course not. Not presumption, no. But that's not his point. The point is we're not to live in servile fear. Who wants to go through life scared of their Father? This is, this is not healthy. It's not joyful. It's not wholesome. So we praise God for God. We thank God for God, that he had the wisdom and the love to come and share with us this amazing truth. Don't be afraid of me. Love me. As he said to the prophet, draw near to me, O man, and I will draw near to you. That was his very first reason he gave for coming. The second reason he gave was hope. He said, I'm coming, Eugenia, to bring hope, in Spanish, esperanza. I'm coming to bring hope to men and to nations. Boy, we need that today. In the U.S. of A., in the whole world, we need hope, not hopelessness, not despair. So the Father says to Eugenia, how many have long since lost it? How many have lost their hope? But this hope I've come to bring will make them live in peace and security working for their salvation. It will help them to live in peace and security. So the Father comes to bring us hope as well. You see, fear and hopelessness go hand in hand. They are twin sisters. When I'm afraid of God, I have no hope. I'm doomed, you see. But if I love my God as a daddy, and I even jump up on his lap to play with his beard, then, you see, I have hope and security that all is well. I remember as a boy hearing this, and my mother would teach us this too. We saw this in my own family. There's an old saying about mothers and fathers. And what's the greatest gift that a father can give to his sons and daughters? Have you ever heard that team, that famous rhetorical question, what is the greatest gift that a father can give to his children? 
their faith. Does that sound familiar? Or their hev- or heaven. Heaven. <laughs> heaven. <laughs> well, that's a better answer, but here's the traditional answer. <laughs> You're a very wise group. I can't fool you at all. But here's the, the traditional answer that's very, very wise in itself. The greatest gift a father can give his sons and daughters is to love their mother. Oh, yes. That's wise, and that's holy. Because when dad loves mom, all is well. Amen? Amen. Amen. When dad loves mama, all is well. And so you see that, that feeling of peace and security comes, that hope comes from love. So those are the first two reasons that Father came, to banish my, my fear and to give me hope that all is well. I want my sons and daughters to live in peace and security. And there's a third reason the Father also gave. A third is three main reasons. Those first two, are the, they are keepers. But here's the third. I'm just going to read what he actually said. I am coming to make myself known just as I am, so that men's trust may increase together with their love for me, their father. I have but one concern, to watch over all men and love them as my children. So the third reason he comes is so we can know him as he is. To come to know him, it's hard to love someone you don't know. So he comes to make himself known just as he is, and then my trust increases. It's hard to trust someone you don't know. But when you do know someone, and that's why, team, we want to spread these messages somehow. Maybe we can put one of them on the... Uh-oh, I think we dropped Father Jim, so just give us a second, guys. Okay. Hey, remind them what we have on our app now. Oh, yeah, we've got a brand new uh, version of St. Michael uh, Chaplet. And it is wonderful, and it is has been done by Father Jim and four of us, uh, his seminarians, uh, from Salt, and it is just beautiful. So if you haven't heard it yet, you should check it out on the app or online as well. I, I believe we've got, already got it online as well. Uh, you would love it. We also have a prayer that came from God the Father that we would love to read right now while we're waiting to get Father back because he thought that this was one of uh, the most beautiful prayers uh, that we could be praying right now, and he wanted to participate in it and just to be able to get him uh, right now. I think we should start with it. You guys want to say the prayer? Yes. Okay. My Father in heaven, how sweet it is to know that you are my Father and I am your child. Go ahead, Jack. Especially when the skies of my soul are cloudy and my cross weighs more heavily, I feel the need to repeat to you, Father, I believe in your love for me. Okay, that was a great start. So you know what? We've got Father. Yes, we have Father back. (laughs) Woohoo! Okay, so Father, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You know, that's important. When these things happen, you know, we're getting some interference from the enemy. Yeah, it, means, was, it means there's something pretty good going on, right? Something pretty powerful. Yeah. It means yeah. this message we have to get to your beloved listeners. They well, can call my office and we'll send it to them, or we can maybe put it on the quest somehow on your website as well. Sure. Okay, so we were starting with the prayer that we were going to end with, just to uh, give them something to hear that was really beautiful uh, while we were trying to... Why don't we do it again, King? We don't need to wait to the end, because the prayer, it has several imprimaturs itself. And why don't we go ahead and start it from the beginning, so your people can hear it, because the prayer sort of captures the essence of what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. So why don't we go ahead and do it again, the way we had planned. Are you ready, guys? Ready. We're ready. The prayer is called, God is my Father. He's not my dictator. He's not my CEO. He's my Father. (laughs) In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. My Father in heaven, how sweet it is to know that you are my Father, and that I am your child. Especially when the skies of my soul are cloudy, and my cross weighs more heavily, I feel the need to repeat to you, Father, I believe in your love for me. Yes, I believe that you are our Father to me at every moment of my life, and that I am your child. 
I believe that you love me with an infinite love. I believe that you are watching over me night and day, and that not a hair falls from my head without your permission. I believe that in your infinite wisdom, you know better than I what is good for me. I believe in your infinite power. You can bring good even out of evil. I believe that in your infinite goodness, you make everything to the advantage of those who love you. Even under the hands of those who strike me, I kiss your hand, which heals. There you see, there's some of the tests of forgiveness right there. Yeah. I'm going to continue. I believe, Father, but please increase in me faith, hope, and love. Teach me always to see your love as my guide in every event of my life. Teach me to surrender myself to you like a baby in its mother's arms. Father, you know everything. You see everything. You know me better than I know myself. You can do everything, and you love me. My Father, since it is your wish that we should always turn to you, I come with confidence to ask you, together with Jesus and Mary. And here we pause for a moment, and listeners, ask the Father for whatever you need, big or small. You ask him now just for a moment. And now I continue, for this intention, and uniting myself to their most sacred hearts, I offer you, Father, all my prayers, my sacrifices and mortifications, all my actions, and greater faithfulness to my duties. Give Give me the light, the grace, and the power of the Holy Spirit. Strengthen me in this spirit, that I may never lose him, never sadden him, and never allow him to become weaker in me. My Father, I ask this in the name of Jesus, your Son. And you, Jesus, open your heart and place in it my own, and together with Mary's, offer it to our Divine Father. Obtain for me the grace that I need. Divine Father, call all men to yourself, Let all the world proclaim your fatherly goodness and your divine mercy. Be a tender father to me and protect me wherever I am, like the apple of your eye. Make me always a worthy son and daughter. Have mercy on me. Divine... Divine, Go ahead, go ahead, team. Divine Father, sweet hope of our souls, May you be known, honored, and loved by all men. Divine Father, infinite goodness poured out on all peoples. May you be known, honored, and loved by all men. And team, let's say this last line together. Divine Divine Father, beneficent dew of humanity, may you be known, honored, and loved by all men. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. And so, team, isn't that a beautiful prayer? Oh, it's yes. so beautiful. moving. Yes, beautiful. It has an imprimatur, by the way, by Cardinal Verdier, the Archbishop of Paris. Not the only one that has. But here's what comes to my mind when I say this prayer. It also, it, I almost jump out of my skin when I say this prayer. And here's why. Because every student of private revelation has to also be a student of Scripture, you see? Private revelation like this supports public revelation and never contradicts it. It only supports it and enhances it, especially for particular chosen times of history. And now, in a fatherless age, we have a new revelation to draw all men back to their father. It makes perfect sense. Everything God does makes sense. But Jesus said, he actually described his mission this way. Our Lord Jesus Christ says in the Gospel, I have come to gather for my Father. Not for myself. The Lord doesn't say that. Jesus says, I've come to gather not for myself. I've come to gather for my Father 
a people who will worship Him in spirit and in truth. Mm. That's how the Lord defined His mission. Mm. I've come, for what? To gather for my Father, not for myself, for my Father, a people, the Catholic people, all peoples, who will worship Him in spirit and in truth, in the Holy Spirit and in the truth of the Gospel. And so this prayer is a rather stunning fulfillment of the Gospel, a stunning fulfillment of Jesus, His mission. He wants to bring you and I to the Father. Amen? Amen. Amen. And I love that it has a partial indulgence, too. That's great. Yes, that shows you how solid this prayer is and how well accepted by the Church that it is. Mm-hmm. Well, and something additional that's visual for us, uh, we have this picture that God gave to Mother Eugenia that kind of depicts his love for us. And it was an image that he wanted the world to know about him and to share it. And we also want to talk about private revelation and how we discern private revelation. But we decided that based on time, we've only got about another five minutes, Annie tells me. So uh, could we talk about private revelation next week and kind of make that the, the top focus for that? But maybe we could wrap up today and talk a little bit about this image what this image could you describe it for people you tell a good story and maybe they can see the image in their mind yes and we'd be glad to send a copy of the image a little prayer card we have it in english and in spanish for all those who may want it and i'm sure we can put it up on the website as well it's a pretty pretty picture mm-hmm. it's kind of funny there have been several versions of it and so i have heard some critics every private revelation has critics that should not surprise us you know why Because public revelation has critics, too. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the Bible has many critics, so don't be surprised at the private one. Private revelation doesn't mean it's private only for one person. It just means it's been given in a different mode. And so there are critics who who complain about there were several versions. Well, same thing with divine mercy. The image of divine mercy is not the original image. It's been painted more than four different times, different images of the divine mercy. Some appeal more, you might say, to to those in Europe. Some appeal more to those in the Americas. Slightly different versions, same with this one, but they have the same idea. You see the Father sitting, uh, just as he sat with Sister Eugenia, sitting down, almost like on a throne. But in this case, you don't see the throne because he doesn't want us to see him only as a majestic king, which he is. But he's more than a king, you see? Mm -hmm. And if my daddy was the king of England, I couldn't bear it if I had to say, yes, sir, no, sir, every minute of every day for the rest of my life. I want to call my king, who's also my father, I want to call him daddy. I need to call him daddy. And so Jesus' father is our papa. And that's why the Lord told us to call him Abba. It's like a term, a familial term of papa. Abba is like dada. So we see the father sitting down. And the most striking part of it really would be this, that his majestic crown he places on the floor. And you see that in the Revelations when he sat down with Mother Eugenia. He took off this beautiful golden crown, which is the rightful possession of a king. And he put it on the floor by his feet in front of Mother Eugenia to tell her, Mother, I don't want you or my children fearing me as a king. I want you to draw close to me as a papa, as a father. And so he puts his throne, excuse me, his crown on the ground, on the floor next to his bare feet. He comes in a humble fashion. And I I noticed there was a critic of this, that on the Internet, when you look up these messages, you might see some beautiful websites and a couple that criticize it. But as I read their criticisms, I, I noticed they really bore no water. They're not really valid criticisms. And so one actually complained about this, that the great king father could not put his crown on the floor. In other words, Father God is not allowed to be humble. Are you kidding me? It's the essence of who he is. Love is not prideful. Love is humble. Love is not proud. Love is humble. God teaches us to be loving and to be humble. Why would he teach us to be something that he himself is not? He wants us to be loving and humble because he's loving and humble. 
And so against the complaint, where someone would say, how could the father put his crown on the ground? I would say, well, how could he put his son on the cross? Mm, Touche. He put his son on the cross to show his love and his humility for us. His son suffered, but the father suffered even more to see his son die like that for us. And so this image is stunningly beautiful. We see that the Father is not so much concerned about fear as he is about love. So we can never forget that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But listen, let's stop being beginners. It's time to advance. Especially in this day and age, we need full-blooded, well-rounded, mature saints. We can't be beginners any longer. And so we encourage everyone who's listening to pray your rosaries every day and draw close to the Father, no more in fear, but in love. And I would recommend that we all pray to Mama, to Our Lady, Mary, help me to love the Father as you love Him. Our Lady's not afraid of God the Father. She is His special daughter. And Mary, like Jesus, will teach us to love our Father and not be afraid of Him. So the image is quite beautiful, and he does have a beard in this painting, but there are reports that when he appeared to Mother Eugenia, he didn't have a beard. Like somebody (laughs) painted the beard onto... I find that humorous. I find that kind of funny, to be honest with you. Like we can't can't let go of our old stereotypes. The father is young. The father is beautiful. In fact, he looks like Jesus. You know why? Because Jesus looks like him, like father, like son. Uh He's young. There's nobody old in heaven. Everyone in heaven is young and beautiful, and you will be too because of the Father's love and mercy. So it's a beautiful image, like the Divine Mercy image. It's approved by the Church. It's gone through several variations, but the idea is this God is humble, and this God is full of love. That's what the image translates to us when we look at it. Wow, what another incredible hour, Father Jim. Thank you so much for joining us again today. Would you, be, you. Would you be able to close us in a prayer and a blessing? Sure. Why don't we say the prayer that our sweet Jesus taught us to pray, the Lord's Prayer, is so fitting right now. Jesus was in love with his Father and came here to bring us to his Father. And so we'll say the prayer, and we offer this prayer for everyone who's listening, and indeed for all the world, to be eternally saved by some miracle. We pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. We ask you, Father God, to heal the wounds of our heart. And if any part of our hearts feels like an orphan, we ask you to heal the orphan wound, the orphan spirit within us, so we are no longer fatherless. Father, Be our Father. Heal us and rejoice us and fill us with the Holy Spirit. Help us to bring all mankind to you and one day bring us to you in heaven. May Almighty God bless all those who are listening with his finest, choicest, and deepest loves. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, God is joy. Amen. Thank you, Father Jim, and thank you, dear listeners, for tuning in to Heaven's Light this afternoon. Be sure to stay tuned as the Divine Mercy Chaplet is coming up next. This is Andy Lichtenwalner from the Office of Formation and Discipleship in the Archdiocese of Atlanta. You're listening to Atlanta Catholic Radio, AM 1160, The Quest. The Quest presents Mom Minutes with Cameron Frad from Among the Lilies. I think that we are so blessed as Catholics to have Mama Mary, okay? When my kids are little, they call her Mama Muh. 
and then eventually she becomes Mama Mary. We are so blessed with Blessed Virgin Mary, whatever name you want to call her. Um, she's amazing. She's a mom. She gets it, right? She totally gets it. And she desires us to know and encounter her son. So when you have had a hard day and you felt like you have failed today as a mom, um, ask for her help. When you don't know what to do for your child, I turn to her and I'm like, okay, Mary, I don't know what my son needs right now, but you do. So you please fill in the gaps, fill in the pieces where, where I'm messing up here and you just be with them. You help him, you help her, encourage them and lead them to your son. Let them know him, love him and serve him. And I think that we get to take advantage of that, which is really cool. Um, I am nowhere near as good of a mom as her, but I try and by her grace, she will teach me how to be a good mom too. For more homegrown wisdom, visit thequestatlanta.com. This is the home of listener-supported Atlanta Catholic Radio, AM 1160, The Quest, WCFO, East Point, Atlanta.